guys, what's going on? It's your host, your boy, George Mackay, back here on the MLW Rewind. If you're watching on Straight Talk Wrestling, welcome. If you're listening on Straight Talk Wrestling, welcome. If you're listening on SNME, Patreon, or the free feed, welcome back to the MLW Rewind. And as you know, I always do this with someone very special, my PIC, the one and only Uncle Bobby B. What's going on there? What's uh, happening? It's... Uh... Let's see what's going on. Uh, work's busy. I'm still trying to pass a kidney stone. Um, other than that, I think that's that's pretty much all we got going on. Ain't nothing going on but the rent. Well, I got uh, I just I hit a pretty good milestone in my NHL 22 right before I uh, came to record with you. I uh, scored a double hat trick, so six goals, one game. Oh, it's first time. First time double hat trick for myself. Yes, I've gotten up to five goals, four goals, but never six. Six My record is okay. is nine. Nine in a game. Yeah, Ooh. but that's that's like when your guys beefed up and like your wrist shots are just like going in everywhere. I don't wrist shot. I am a, I'm a centerman, but I like to uh, I like to especially in the uh, penalty kill or the power play, if you will. I like to stay right at the back and just wire it. I'm a slap shotter all day. You're a point. You're a point man in the in the the PK. Yeah, I pretty much I or sorry, in the in the power play. I take it away from Carlson. I play on the Capitals. I just steal the puck from Carlson all the time and wire it. I don't. I don't let him be point. I just take point. <laughs> I just all right. My coach doesn't like it. Gives me shit all the time, but I don't care. I score. That's all that matters. All right. Well, uh, back to MLW. Yes. On that note, MLW. Today's episode was filled with a whole bunch of title defenses and title changes, and we'll get to that. First thing first, though, was I got to give MLW production team credit. We give them credit often, but I really got to give them credit on the package they put together on Delmi and Taya, the promo versus promo thing. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the intensity of the promo. Uh, I thought it was a great build to the match. Unfortunately, as we get a little bit later on in this rewind, uh, you'll hear our thoughts about the match. So this promo was was coming in hot, though. They both had some stuff to say. Uh, long story short, Delmi, a couple sound bites. Taya calls herself Lorena Reina. With that attitude, she only cares about herself. She doesn't care about the M about MLW or the MLW fans. They deserve somebody who's going to represent the brand and going to put that brand first. Taya's response, call yourself a god queen? What even is that? You couldn't pick one? You're not on my level. I built a legacy for being the first featherweight champion. And I and I'm and I'm the I've been fighting some of the baddest women at this point. The fact is tonight is going to end the same way every other night with me still as champ. So, uh, Rob, what did you think about this opening kind of promo package? And did it live up? Uh, did it get you hyped for this match anyways? Not live up to it, but did it get you hyped for the match? Uh, I thought the promo package was pretty good. Uh, I did I did pop for God Queen. Like, what even is that? Just pick one. I just thought that was hilarious. I don't know why, because it, just, it seemed like an off-the-cuff, like she just ad-libbed it, and that made it funny because it was a natural thing. Um yeah, if I gotta be honest, Taya's maybe not been at her best the last couple times I've seen her in MLW. So I was a little bit kind of like, eh, is she phoning it in right now? But, you know, Taya can be so good. So when she's not good, I guess it's very noticeable. Um, but I, I like Delmi's and, and I was stoked for, for everything to come. We knew, excuse me. Oh man, this is what happens when you don't sleep. Um, <laughs> well, and as I was saying, um, Delmi's exo, Delmi exos promo got me pretty hyped. Uh, I'm enjoying what we're seeing of her, so I was I was ready for this uh, 
big title fight? Absolutely, but you're going to have to wait a little bit longer in the episode because our first match was a title fight, but not that title fight. This is for the middleweight championship. Now, the uh, current champ, Lince Dorado, coming out without his belt because, as you know from a few episodes back, go in the archives or watch MLW if you want on YouTube on Fusion. Leo Rush stole it. I believe it was the first Fusion when it debuted. He stole that belt. He gave a uh, GTF GTFO. GTFOH. He calls it the GT. So get the fuck out oh, of okay. here, pretty much. He calls it the GTFOH. So I was just trying to figure out the uh, monogram form for it. Sorry, lost my train of thought there. Uh, so he's coming out, Leo with the belt wrapped firmly around his waist, and as well as Akira with Raven by his side and another one of those gassed men. So you know that that was going to be a factor already early on in this match. It is literally a three on one on one because the calling clearly had the advantage with all the bodies that were out there. Right. Uh, but this match was solid. I enjoyed it. Uh, everyone got their spots. Everyone got their work in. And Akira, he hit the death penalty, his finisher, on Lince, on the champ. So he did pin the champ, not the other man in the match, which was key to mention. Hits it on Lince for the one, two, three. And we got ourselves a new middleweight champ. And the calling has its first taste of gold in MLW as a unit. Now, we do know that the calling is going up against the SST at Never Say Never, the first pay-per-view for MLW. So there could be a chance for Akira to be a two-time champion and Ricky Shane Page to share that those tag team titles with Akira. So this is big. This is big because the calling has been running their mouths, running rough shot pretty much over the MLW roster by kicking everyone's ass, taking name, the month of build for the calling cards and everything that was happening. For them to get gold now, perfect. Because they needed to have something to sup like to cement the fact that they are a force to be reckoned with. They already had done everything else, all the other things, but having gold gives you that kind of pat on the back, like, okay, yes, you now are a force within the league. So what did you think of this match, Rob? What are your thoughts about Akira becoming the champion? And again, it's right to mention that he hit the death penalty on the champ. He did not pin Leo. He pinned Lince, which is, again, kind of huge. Yeah, and uh, the way that this match worked out and the way it finished uh, had me leading to the belief that the first program that they're going to run with Akira is going to be Akira and Leo. Mm. Um, Leo saying, you didn't beat me. That's my belt. I want it kind of thing. So which, I'm, I'm here for it. I uh, thought the match was good. Match was fun get to see a little bit of what every guy can do uh wasn't anything that like it's not gonna go down in history but it was a good solid match and he got the belt on akira and, and it'll be interesting to see where they go with the calling if the calling end up maybe with all of the gold because that's certainly a possibility mm-hmm. you could have ricky shane page defeat hammer down the line akira ricky and akira it, it you know, it, it could be interesting if if that goes down. I don't know if it will. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm uh the calling is growing on me more. I like what they're doing. We're getting to see a little bit more of, of the guys in ring stuff, as opposed to just the, the promo work and everything. But it was a good it was a solid match, got the got the belt moved around, and uh I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Now, I don't know if you guys saw the news today, but Leo Rush has been booked with Impact for the Atlanta TV tapings. So he will be part of Impact, at least for those TV tapings. Not sure what the thing is, but the great thing about MLW is that they love to share talent. So we're going to see Leo more for sure. Uh, Lince, however, I believe this is his last part of his term with MLW. I haven't confirmed that 100%, but 
but I believe he's going to be off MLW TV for the foreseeable future. Doesn't mean we won't ever see him again. We're just not going to see him next week. Now uh, right, we right. get we get Ty Valkyrie. She's all over this episode today, and obviously, uh, you know, uh, I guess just really wanting to take as much camera time as possible away from anybody else. Uh, Ty is standing by with to cut another promo. And literally two words in, the sound goes out. And poor Alex. Alex, the sound guy from MLW, he kind of gets everything rectified to the point where we can hear him tell Taya, listen, we're having issues. Just give us two minutes. She's very upset. This, and Why does she have to put up with this? these little nuances of uh, just unbelievable stupidity? And this is why MLW is beneath her. So comments like that really don't leave much to the fact that she is really caring for the brand. Like Delmi said, she is pretty much for herself, and this segment really cemented that. Uh, before I get into the Jacob for two update, Rob, what did you think about poor Alex, the sound guy? He didn't deserve that. I don't think he deserved that. Poor dude, he's like Tibor on The Simpsons. Like, just gets everything. Just blame it on the on the sound guy. Uh, but like you said, it really cemented her. And and I'm presuming this was filmed before she knew she was, or as she knew she was going to be leaving. So they figured, let's write her off by her burying kind of the company and, you know, getting all the heat on her so that Delmi is the the clear uh, fan's favorite going Absolutely. into the match. Well, a, a promo like this would definitely, uh, with the, the sound being cut out, but her still being able to state her case, definitely makes the fan base think, okay, well, this this girl is, if she's beneath MLW, then she's beneath us. Why should we get behind her? Uh, Jacob, a two update. He is clear. He's 100% clear, and he will challenge John Hennigan next week for the open weight title. And uh, if the calling does choose to get involved, the SST will be there. So the Simone SWAT team will have Jacob Fatou's back while he tries to take the open weight title from John Hennigan. And it's also, nice to have friends. It is nice to have friends. Absolutely. Well, friends and family. I mean, essentially family. Yeah. But regardless of the fact, uh, earlier this week, I don't know if you saw it. I don't know if the MLW faithful or the Rewind faithful saw it, but I did see it. There was an ominous video dropped by the Colin. Uh, very ominous. It, uh, Raven, almost like a messiah in a sense. There was a girl wrapped in plastic, literally wrapped in a plastic sheet, very Dexter-like in uh, the style of the filming. And Raven says, I'm going to breathe new life into this woman. And he kisses her on the forehead and her eyes open. And then the camera just kind of goes black with the calling symbol. Now, this could be uh, a very smart decision if this young lady, who I could not really make out who she was, uh, if she is a new member of the calling, that puts the calling now in every weight division in MLW. So if they do have a featherweight appearing, now the calling has someone who can go after the featherweight championship. So very exactly. ominous video, very creepy. I loved every every moment of it. Uh, Raven, you know, <clears throat> his in-rig days are long gone, but man, can he still make your fucking skin crawl? And he did that in this video and then some. Like the perfect, and the camera angles were great from somebody with a film school background, getting that low shot, having Raven kind of work into the camera, get the close-up on the lips, on the forehead, and then just to see her eyes open kind of from a side, like 45 degree angle was fantastic. I loved every, and they were also smart in making sure she had a, a breath hole. Yes, her mouth was uh, was definitely the, ripped the plastic because I think they tried to do it, maybe record this before, and the plastic was like, no, the girl's like, I can't breathe. So they cut a hole for her in the plastic. But re regardless, Rob, what did you think of the ominous skin-crawling video? Was the implication that they murdered her? I'm not sure. I want to say the implication was, uh, thank you for going super dark with it. I appreciate that. 
Uh, I believe the implication was that they rescued her. I'm going to assume, I'm going to assume that this young lady had passed on and they must have stolen her from the morgue or possibly a um, an undertaker's like facility before they're getting ready to embalm said body. So if I'm to be understanding this correctly, mm-hmm. Raven now has the power to resurrect people from the dead. I believe that is what they're going with. I believe Raven is supposed to be a dark messiah of some kind, maybe like a a, a dark... I might get flack for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. He's like a dark Jesus, in a sense. Okay. He's, he's the, the prophet slash messiah that nobody wants, but we're getting it anyways. And I don't mean okay. nobody in the fact that nobody cares about it. I love it. I'm all in. But I mean that the fact that nobody really asked for Raven to be a... Right. Yeah, thank you. Nobody yeah. asked for Raven to be our savior. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't too sure how I felt about this, but I I like if they're adding like a, a female member to the calling, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and why not get some more spotlight on the featherweight division, right? Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, we got a big match coming up after this update from uh, Jacob Fatu, don't we? Well, uh, we do, but we don't. Uh, the next match actually is uh, Sam Adonis versus. Oh, Willie that's Mack. right. And before that's the match, right. we go to Sam Laterna, who's uh, with Willie Mack outside of his hotel room. <laughs> And this was probably promo of the night for me. Uh, she asked him Drop what's his deuce. pregame workout. He says, well, he drops a deuce, plays some video games, and then he uh, he eats a lot of bacon, wrapped sausages, donuts, more donuts, some more donuts, plays some more video games, uh, has another dump. And he said, Sam Adonis, I will see you tonight. And uh, yeah. That's pretty much that for Millie Mack. Sam Adonis comes out and he cuts a promo on New York. And it is good. They eat this man alive. He actually singles out a fan who looked like he could have been a member of uh, CCR. That's Cleveland's Clearwater Revival. Uh, singles him out saying, this is what New York is built on. Homeless bums with beards and long hair. And he's like, look at you and look at me. And then the guy's like, yeah, New York's going, yeah. John Hennigan's like, really, look at you. You're an idiot. Loser. Loser. So it was great that him and Hennigan were just, and the New York crowd was eating it up. And then I think Sam Adonis might have had a brain fart because he knew he was fighting Willie Mack, but he said, who am I fighting? Bring him out here. And it's Willie Mack. And he (laughs) pretended to look shocked, but we clearly knew that this was the match. So I'm not sure where the loss in translation was. Maybe they filmed that before he knew who it was because a lot of stuff is filmed and then more stuff is filmed after to work it in. So the editing there was a little bit of a head scratcher, uh, but the match was pretty good. And I will say this for Sam Adonis really impressed the crap out of me. We haven't seen too much of him wrestle. I mean, I have, I've seen him wrestle a bunch of times live and the dude is a talent. And when you're somebody that's over six feet and you can hit a 450 in almost perfect form, you got to give it up. And he does that. He hits the 450 on Mac and he wins. But I did love the fact that Mac got his stuff in. He got his stuff in. Hedigan interfered. Everybody kind of had their spots. And that's what I love about MLW matches. Everybody gets their work in. It's never really a one-sided affair. Everybody gets their work in. But still, kudos to Sam Adonis, man. Hitting that picture-perfect 450. Again, for a man that tall to be able to get around and around almost again to land perfectly like he did, uh, it's impressive. When a six when a six-footer, I believe he's over six feet. I want to say he's like 6'4". He's a tall dude. And yeah, he's uh, like six four, six five. He's almost yeah. three hundred. 
Yeah, and he hit that perfectly, and uh, it was a, it was a rough night for Willie Mack because Sam Adonis gets the one two three. Um, before we get into what happened after the match, Rob, what'd you think about uh, Willie Mack's promo? Sam Adonis cutting on New York and the match that ensued. I mean, this was I a mean, great ten minutes of television, in my opinion. Minus the the meat consumption, Willie Mack and I have a very similar pre match uh, <laughs> ritual. I was I was just laughing. He he just. Willie just kind of goes on and on. He's like, we'll get some hot dogs and guacamole. If it feels like, like guacamole, he's just going off. It was hilarious. Uh, Willie's great. Great in the ring. Great out of the ring. The match was was pretty fun. Uh, like you said, what you expect from both of these guys. Uh, they the, That New York crowd, man, they were not. Like, they were eating Sam up. The, well, at that's one what point, you do as a heel, though. You, if you can get a whole arena of people to hate your guts sam adonis can do it like nobody's business oh for sure and yeah they 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 did not like him uh so kudos to him because he he got he went the cheap heat the cheap heat route and uh he got it so i mean kudos to sam Batch one liner absolutely one sorry to interrupt i just remember this one liner of the night he pointed out a young lady in the crowd and he goes, that girl right there is more famous in the locker room than any other room in New York. God <laughs> fucking damn. But yeah, regardless of the promos sandwich. and stuff, what did you think of the match, man? Uh, it was a good match. I mean, I don't have any, nothing like blew my mind about it. It's like I said, what I expected from both of these guys was a solid match. It wasn't a bad match by any, by any circumstances. It was just like a solid run of the mill, no complaints about it kind of match. Nothing really just stuck out to me about it mm -hmm. well fair enough after the match though a uh, very bad decision by mlw to have sam Turner come out and ask mance warner to join when sam adonis and john hennigan are still celebrating in the ring comes out and um right away sam is not happy so oh, mance no. uh mance does what mance does best he takes a chug of beer he places <laughs> the beer down perfectly on the stage and then proceeds to spit it in Sam Adonis's face before it is a two-on-one assault. Uh, John Hennigan and Sam Adonis putting quick work to Mance Warner, dragging him to the center of the ring. And also kudos to all three guys, because I don't know if you noticed, the beer can never got knocked over. With all yeah, that, that was impressive, right? With, with all that fighting going on, on the stage, that beer can stayed perfectly in position. So I will give credit to those guys. Footwork was excellent. Sam Adonis leaves for a few seconds. It was a little bit strange as John Hennigan was kind of handling his business, but then he comes back with an absurdly big leather strap and proceeds to wrap it a few times around Mance Warner's neck and kind of noose him, hangman him, if you will, over the ring and then goes over the top, Sam himself, and is kind of just wrenching it down. Uh, and I got to say, Mance Warner looked purple. He looked blue. He looked yellow. He looked red. He looked almost every color of the rainbow because he was that close to passing out. So kudos to Mance Warner because he sold it very well. Finally, the refs gain control, but not before we see the pearly whites, Sam Adonis, as him and John Hennigan walk off to the back and celebrate. And we know that Sam versus Mance is far from over. If anything, this sets up a potential strap match. Rob, your thoughts? You, ju you just nailed it. It's going to be a strap match. Um, poor Mance, man. He was getting the shit kicked out of him. Uh, like, like he really, like you said, looked like he was getting choked out. Uh, I was genuinely feeling bad for him. And uh, the uh, 
there's going to be a comeuppance for for Mr. Morrison and Mr. Adonis, and and they're they're going to get what's coming to them. I don't know who it's going to be, and I don't know when it's going to be, but it's going to happen. And I think they better, uh, you know, keep their eyes open because Mance doesn't roll by himself, as we all know. Yep, the SGC will not be happy about what happened to their leader uh, earlier tonight. Uh, never say never. Control setter updates. Uh, Alex Kane versus Alex Hammerstone is official, but it's not. That's right. Alex Kane is negotiating for more money or he will not fight. Alex Kane's promo saying that uh, Bumaye doesn't fight for free. And Cortavius Bauer may not want to pay, but the man behind the Bumaye Fight Club is always willing to put up the big money. So next week, we're going to have a big apple whap. A rap, I believe that was what he said. I couldn't really make out what he said. Big apple grapple. Was it, oh okay I couldn't make it out the the the, uh, the audio cut out thank God it wasn't a WAP Whew, I almost got canceled for that the Big Apple grapple uh and it's simple can Alex gain you win the cash you don't you don't that's it that's just very simple and um why is that Rob because Boomaye is for the children no oh no sorry I'm thinking of Wu Tang Boomaye is for the people Boomaye is for the people. There you go. You got to say, they always do it twice. Fuck sakes, man. I'm going to go get the papers. Get the papers. Oh, my God. Anyways, uh, other big news for Never Say Never. They should recruit that guy. I wonder if he's still alive. Just comes there in a suit, and he's like, hey, Bumaye is for the people. For the people. Other no? big news for Never Say Never. Uh, Becca's going to be performing. <laughs> live. He is yeah. So, he is so fucking excited right now. Becca is going to be serenading the city of brotherly love. That's right. Philadelphia, bring your earplugs because Becca will be acapelling all up in that bitch at Never Say Never. I know you are. I know you are so excited right now. I'm stoked, buddy. She's got so much charisma. Like, it's great. I love watching her work. I can't wait to see how she does this performance. Uh, looking forward to laughing and crying at the same time. Absolutely. Becca, we are both excited uh, to see what notes you can't hit and what notes you try to hit as you serenade. Our ears are not worthy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess that's why it must be like um, uh, Harry Potter with the egg where they had to put it underwater to hear it sing so beautifully. I don't know. I never watched Harry Potter. Okay, well, forget it then. I tried to go with a minute. Fuck it. Whatever. All right. It's main event time. But before that, we get another attempt at a Taya Valkyrie promo. And her mic cuts out again. Poor Alex. And she says, this is the reason she is leaving because of nonsense like this. And tells Alex he is not worth her time and not worth her energy. She is going to beat the crap out of Delmi because now she's even more frustrated than when she was at the start of the episode. And it is now main event time. That's right. The featherweight championship is on the line. The ladies are main eventing. The God Queen, Delmi Exo, versing La Reina Reina, Haya Valkyrie. And this match was subpar. I'll be honest with you, subpar. Everybody got their stuff in, but both people, both competitors in this match, looked like they were tired and didn't really have the effort for it. And even when Delmi won by hitting the Delmi driver, uh, she kind of had a shocked, but not shocked look when she did win and become the featherweight championship or champion 
I, as I should say. Uh, we got ourselves a new champion, but the match did not live up to the promo package at the beginning of the show. And it did not live up to all the camera time Ty Valkyrie got leading up to the match. I will yeah. be honest. Uh, this match fell very short of my expectations. And this is the first time in a while where I will say that MLW, 75% of this show was entertaining. The last 25 was not your best effort. And I don't know if it was the fact that the ladies just didn't have the chemistry. Because you got to have that great dance partner to work. But I feel like they both just phoned it in. And everything was very telltale. You knew when it was happening. Especially when John Hennigan got hit with the forearm by Taya. The funny part, though, was when Taya was like, uh, the crowd was like, you fucked up. And Taya's like, I know, I know, I fucked up. <laughs> so that was funny. But the match was just phoned in. Regardless, though, we have a new featherweight champion. And let's see what Delmi Exo does as the second featherweight champion and how she leads this division in ways that she says Taya could not. Rob, your thoughts? Yeah, unfortunately, I have to agree with you. I was watching this match very intently, and I had high hopes for it. It's been built up a lot. And yeah, like both competitors just looked a step off, a little tired. There was a a, a lack of intensity. Just I, I didn't see that intensity, like, and, and especially, you know, little things. But like, you know, Taya hits John Hennigan. Taya is a seasoned competitor, multi-time champion, veteran. She stood there for way too long with her hands up in the air, like, oh my God, I hit my husband. Da, 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 da. There's a there's a match going on behind you. Like it just took way too long for for that whole thing to happen. Uh, like in reality, Taya would have, could have been like, oh no, 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 and then turned around and and Delmi was there. It was just too long, a little thing. But you know, again, you you talk about all season to competitor Taya is, which is that convincing i i hate and i hate to be overly critical and i hope we're not just shitting on the match because again we we don't we're we're honest and objective so putting aside the fact that we're both fans of of whatever we're just looking at this match objectively and uh not to disparage any of the competitors involved but it just didn't this match just didn't have it and it happens it's not not to say they're not talented it's just sometimes Things don't click, and, and and I felt like that's what it was. This match just, they weren't clicking together. Maybe it was the chemistry, as you said, George. I don't know, but this is one of the rare times where we, we have to say this wasn't it. Absolutely, and with all the buildup, the delays, the putting on hold, Taya scapegoating around it, with the buildup for this match, I thought Delmi Exo would be just ready to get, like, I thought Taya wouldn't even get a chance to get in the ring and take her jacket off before Delmi was just going to, like, wail on her with shots. And nothing lived up to it, even with the corner to corner that Delmi was running. After the first corner, she came out with a full head of steam. And then the last two seemed very slow and lethargic. And even Matt Stryker mentioned on commentary, we're not the only ones. He said, too much time going from one corner to another. You're not hurting your opponent. You're just gassing yourself. Because after the first shot, the next two shots were subpar, giving Taya multiple times to recover. So, we're, we're again, we don't shit on anybody's match because we're not in-ring competitors we don't do what they do but with the experience that both these ladies have in the ring we're talking you know 12 13 years from taya we're talking five six from delmi exo and the fact of this build it should have it should have lived up to the hype and it just didn't and and i think chemistry had a lot to do with it and i also think that um i also think there might have been some pressure to deliver on both sides where it was just like I don't know if we can, the build that's happened here, I don't know if we can live on it. And they might've been just a little bit in their own heads 
So I, I, I think that uh, regardless of the fact Ty Valkyrie had a fantastic run as the inaugural champion, I look at some of the women that she faced, uh, some matches that stand out to me, her and Trisha Dora tore the house down. Uh, her, and Billy Starks, her and Billy Starks tore the house down. Her and Zoe Sky tore the house down. Like she faced Brittany Blake. She faced a lot of fantastic women in her reign as the featherweight champion. And now we just got to see what Delmi does and what Delmi chooses to do. And uh, I think Delmi will uh, will elevate that featherweights division. And it actually puts somebody who has a little bit more of a schedule, an open schedule to kind of really represent that title. And I hope if Court Bauer's smart, because this is a new championship for him, if Corp Power's smart, let her take it on the road. Let her defend it in the indies like you did with Davy Richards. You never let Alex Kane have the opportunity, which I still think is stupid. But let Delmi defend this so this title can get a reputation. You want her to be a fighting champion. Yes, you want to save the big fights for TV, for Fusion, for MLW. Yes, absolutely. But if you get the opportunity to allow her to go on the road with this title, let her do that. Because that's the only way you can really cement a title, in my opinion, is facing the best of the best. And sometimes the best of the best is not accessible for MLW. Just my, you know, just my food for thought. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not opposed to saying let somebody defend a title on the road uh, as long as they're the ones going over, obviously. Of course. Uh, we, of course. We've seen it pretty recently. We've seen a couple, like we saw the Warrior Wrestling Championship defended here in Toronto recently, uh, or Mississauga, I should say. But, but um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested to see where Delmi's going to go. I, I think personally, and this is not this is not anything, I'm just like, objectively, the first program she runs should be with Becca because I think it's capitalized on both of them right now. Well, I think I think that's the I think that's the plan. And to be honest with you, I believe that Becca is going to hurt a lot of eardrums that never say never and have Delmi come out and be like, listen, if I give you a title shot, will you shut up? And I think we're going to have an impromptu featherweight match that night. I really do. I believe that would... that's. I believe that's what's going to happen because how are you going to have a pay-per-view and right now we only have three matches. And even if you give those three matches, like you give Kane and Hammer 30 minutes, you give SST and The Calling 20, you give, uh, you know, Thatcher, Thatcher and, 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 and Williams, Williams 20, you've only really filled up an hour and 10. You throw in some promos, maybe you got an hour and a half. You got to have at least two, three more matches in there. So it'll be exciting to see what they pull out. They'll be there. There'll they'll be more matches for sure. Um, yeah, distinct. Uh, just notice if you've noticed the uh, absence of FBI. I have noticed the absence of FBI, but again, the, the tag division is so lacking that when the absences happen, I don't really pay attention to them because they're not consecutive. So even though FBI is in the division, I mean, let's be honest. The last time we saw the, before, the Von Erics are free agents now, we know this. But when the Von Erichs were even contractually obligated, half the time we never saw them. Then we should be seeing Ray Jazz as a singles wrestler. That guy is awesome. They should be bringing him back in to do more spots. I'm uh, I think really Ray see Jazz, the upside on that guy. I think Ray Jazz could be in a tag team, maybe not with little Guido. I think they should bring in that Vinny Pacifico guy. That guy's got some chops. And I think those guys would be a great, like FBI 2.0. They already did it with 5150. Why not do FBI? Bring in another eye tie. Yeah, yeah that's man. what I mean. Bring in another eye tie. Have little Guido there to be the mentor. Hey, you have... can't say eye tie. Oh, I yeah, have... you can. You're part. Yeah. Shut yeah. the fuck. Okay, let's just honestly, 
whatever subpar ending to a otherwise great episode now let's go into the ones that mlw should be watching do you have your pick oh yeah i forgot about that i was supposed to have a pick for this your week didn't idea. I? it was your idea it was my idea hmm let me see i'm just gonna scroll through my instagram messages and see who pops up the who i've been talking to down <laughs> Well, yeah, that that won't really. Ladies and gentlemen, we are usually way more prepared for this, and this is his fucking segment, by the way. Just who did you pick? Who did you pick last time? You don't even remember. Oh, I don't. I really don't. You know why? I did you pick Forza? No, I did not pick Forza. Okay, I'm picking Forza then. All right. You're picking Gabriel Forza. All right. Well, you got a minute. Sell the people on Gabriel Forza. Why should everyone pay attention to this guy? Let's talk about El Diablo, the one they call Gabriel Fuerza, hailing from Atizapan, Mexico. He is an incredible Lucha Libre hybrid athlete. Uh, Submission holds high energy, incredible execution and timing. Fuerza is money. He is absolutely ready for TV. He's worked in a tag team with partner Von Vertigo as fight or flight. Fuerza is a hell of a guy, a hell of a talent. Recently watched him uh, tap out Rocky Romero. That was a fantastic match here in Toronto. So uh, I really think MLW should be taking a look at Gabriel Fuerza because with his Lucha Libre hybrid style, he could add a lot of incredible ability to the middleweight division. Uh, I think Fuerza would be a huge pickup. Absolutely. Could not agree more. I mean, he is my best friend. So, of course, I'll let you have that one. But for myself today, I was actually saving Fuerza for down the line. But that's fine. You got Fuerza today. I no problem. It. You did. You got him. Can't say anything bad about that. I believe that MLW needs to add someone bionic to that featherweight division. I knew I, that's what you were doing. I, I'm going to go. Well, this was my pick from the get-go. At least I didn't scroll through my fucking DMs, chooch. Anyways, Alexia Nicole. The bionic one, one of the best women in Ontario wrestling today, in actually in women's wrestling period on the indies. She's fire. She's fantastic. She's got the look and her size may underwhelm you, but her power will overwhelm you. This girl can go. I've seen her wrestle some of, I've seen her wrestle Ricky Shane Page and make that guy look like a rag doll. I've seen her wrestle Ricky Shane Page and four other similarly sized men in a six person match uh alexia's fantastic she like you said don't let her size underwhelm you uh she can go she's been featured on aew dark she's done a ton of stuff alexia's great she would also be a great pickup for the featherweight division absolutely so there you go that's our ones that mlw should be paying attention to hopefully next week one half of us will be a little bit more organized on their own concept for the show and as i say goodbye Uncle Bobby B will say adios after I say farewell. Peace, love, and wrestling. We're going to rewind with you guys next week. Peace. Arrivederci.